And then at the end of the day, grade yourself like we grade athletes, right? Pass or fail. Did you have good effort today or not? Film don't lie. Effort don't lie. Product don't lie. Right. And so that's really what it comes down to. So I, I think that's, you know, a big part of what I always tell people is you're not going to outdiscipline me. I'm going to put the time and energy in. What's going on, people? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a podcast for artists and designers, people of color in that field, bridging the gap between the culture you might love and the job you might want. So what you're getting out of this experience is really twofold. Number one, community. We're doubling down on the fact that people want to connect with others to talk about sneakers in the same way that they want to talk about the Bauhaus, mixing that cultural intelligence with that you know, historical intelligence and, and quality intelligence. Number two, we're doubling down on advice and mentorship. So for the topic of this episode, we're covering why more artists should train like athletes, how to train your mind, body, and soul like an athlete, featuring Kevin Carroll. And Kevin is an author, speaker, art school consultant, engagement coach at SCAD. And we walk through mindset changes, winning routines, and his four-step process that could give any designer the same edge he's seen in the world's biggest athletes including his friend Kobe Bryant. Tune in. If I was given a thousand acres of land, I'd actually chop it up into smaller units and gift it to people who are trying to advance something Mm. around um, education, sports and play, or bettering others. So we'd we'd basically create this collective community of instigators and catalysts. Mm. to uh impact a greater number so yeah i know i could if i wanted to do my own thing but i think there's strength in numbers and so that would be the thing that i would do is give everybody a a, um a parcel of that right here's your deed this is how much acres you get yeah go do your thing but you you know would have been vetted and identified and you know it would be um a a multi-generational kind of thing so everybody could be learning from you know, I, one of the things I love to tell, you know, my friends who, who are of a certain age that you should have a millennial mentor. Mm. You should have somebody that's mentoring you from the from the other side of the continuum. And you shouldn't just be mentoring because there is this wonderful Socratic kind of opportunity, student, teacher, teacher, student. And so if you always keep that kind of idea or attitude, you're always going to stay relevant. Mm. And so I think keeping that next generation around you is important. So yeah, I'd split that. I'd split those that acreage up, that thousand acres, and maybe it would end up being you know ten people get ten acres each, you know, or a hundred people get yeah, a hundred people get ten acres each, or whatever it might be. But I would definitely split it up so it'd be a multi generational um, collective of creative catalysts. I love that, man. You, you mentioned a couple words. What's uh, what's an instigator to you? I've never heard that uh, term really used there. So I always so I call myself an instigator of inspiration. So. And so you can be an instigator that's trying to uh, stir up some stuff in a negative way, but I'm trying to stir up some things in a positive way. So I look at an instigator as someone who stirs up or, or makes people pause and ponder, right? And so that's really a big thing that I like to do is to instigate 
um, inspiration in that way. So I might make you pause. I might make you ponder. I might make you take action, but I'm going to spark. So an instigator to me is someone who's sparking action or thought Mm. or intention. Right. And so what's your intention behind instigating, right? And sparking, right? Or being a bellows, a fan in a flame, right? And so I think the more that you are aware of your intention behind it, then you gotta own that. But I I always go into it more around the notion of, you know, instigating inspiration, not instigating um troubling thoughts or um, creating some harrowing scenario for people or worry or concern. Mine is more on the positive side. Absolutely. So, you know, in many ways I've told people I've been a bit of a oxymoron, a positive deviant in some ways <laughs> and stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so there's some, there's some diabolical in what I'm trying to do and stir up, but it's always with, you know, with good intentions. It's never with anything bad. I never want to leave anyone or an audience worse that my intention is always to, to have you leave the room better than when you enter and so my energy and my enthusiasm and my effort goes all towards that so yeah so instigator for me is always going to be set in motion the intention that you have around that Absolutely. and then you know activate based on that so you know because kanye has that audience he's got an amazing audience he can, you know, he has, he's aware of his intention, right? And so it really comes down to that. And I think that's, you know, you can be an instigator who wants to stir up some stuff or you can be an instigator who wants to advance things. Mm-hmm. And so that's an advance things in a positive way, but you could advance things in a negative way too, right? And so I think it is about your attention. So my grandfather always say, you know, pay attention to your intention. I had another icebreaker and it's like, you're fucking reading my mind over here because- <laughs> The second icebreaker was, <laughs> I'll just ask it, but you answered it. Is like, what's one lesson you've learned from your parents or grandparents that you feel like you could turn into a book? Oh, and yeah, I feel like I it's mean, that. I mean, that yeah. Pay attention to your intention. Oh no, I got a whole bunch of like, um, how you do the little things is how you do all things. Yeah. Subtitle: Did you make your bed today? Right there, you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a, mm-hmm. right because that's a little thing, right? But that sets in motion a lot of your actions for the day. Right. And your intention for the day. Right. And, and what my grandfather, um, what would he always say? Don't talk about it. Be about it. Mm. Lots of talkers and very few doers. Which one are you? I love it, man. What's what's something that the audience should know about you? So I'll do my little spiel of your background, a little brief bio of you yeah. before the show. But what's something they should know? I, I'm a product of you know, addiction and abandonment, dysfunction and disappointment and upheaval and uncertainty. But I was rescued by a ball books and a community of betterment who saw something in me and basically told me my circumstances didn't, don't have to dictate my destiny. And those people lifted me up and poured into me. And I always tell people it was a crazy community that wrapped their arms around me from drug dealers to users, war veterans and workers, parents and peers and teachers and custodians and librarians. But everybody saw something in the three of us. It was three boys. Mm. But, you know, my journey took a little different than my brothers. My brothers did fine, but mine took on a whole different trajectory and I just know that it's because of that crazy eclectic community of people who decided to put their arms around us, especially me. Mm. 
what was that turning point or what was that moment where I, I call it, uh, you know, it's almost like that catalyst point where you have to surrender to, okay, I can't do this on my own, but I know that I want X, Y, Z for my life. And I know that I'm tired of doing things like whether it be bad habits or being lazy or addictions or whatever. What was that moment? And when did that come? And you know, how oh, it, you was know it was early there? for me. It was early for me. I was fortunate that I had, you know, that catalytic moment, that epiphany, that spark when I was six, when my grandparents rescued us and took us in and started raising us and in the neighborhood where they were there's a playground and that playground was the energy center of the community and sports was everything reputation won and lost at preston playground that's the way it was and so i figured that out real fast that if i could show out there if i could shine there it could open up doorways for me i didn't realize it was going to impact a lot more than just my ability to, in athletics yeah that it was actually going to open up my love of reading and academics. It was going to uh, spark a partnership and friendship with a woman who would become my mom, basically my best friend's mom, Miss Lane. Mm. All those things happened from being at that playground. Summer reading program was at that playground. That's where I fell in love with books and got my library card. We went to the public library. I checked out where the wild things are, dude. Nine <laughs> oh, years man. old. Set me off. That was it. That book right there. I man. loved reading. Everybody has the same response. You should. Everybody has. Everybody remembers when you show that one little iconic picture of the wild things and Max walking like a cross. Everybody recognizes that. And it's a global thing. It's really actually quite fascinating how many people have read that around the world. So that book set off my love of reading. Mm. And then I became a strong reader. I didn't understand the correlation between that and academics, but my academics shot up. Yeah, it went to the roof. Right? Because, you know, if you're a strong reader, you tend to be a strong student. So I was a great reader, loved reading, had the ball, sports and everything. And, you know, so that six years old and nine years old were two catalytic moments because of the ball when I was six, because of the books, but also meeting Miss Lane when I was nine also. Those were the moments. Mm. and. The motivation came from social workers telling my grandparents, don't don't expect much, but do the best you can. I'd overhear the conversations about us. Yeah. And I would sit at the, the top of the steps and basically say, I'll show you. I'll show you. Watch. Mm. So, yeah, six years old, nine at the most. But it was in motion by then. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, so at a 50,000 foot level, you know, someone might look at your story and see sports and see. And this is incongruency with the topic of today's show where I want people to have and start approaching art with kind of that competitive mentality and that sports mentality and have that routine, have that practice, have that ritual. But for your story in particular, for 50,000 feet up, you might see, all right, sports playground. All right. Strong reader arts. I don't, where does this stuff intersect? And you know, I, I think people curiosity. get frustrated. Curiosity. <laughs> I would, I would say it intersects a curiosity. And I would also say it intersects at what Miss Lane used to say to me, why not? Mm. So I would always ask her questions. Like she was the person I could throw whatever at her. Hey, Miss Lane, they had this thing up on the school board, the bulletin board. It was Shakespeare. I think I'm going to try out for that. She would always say, why not? Mm. Hey, Miss Lane, they got this music program and I noticed no one signed up for the cello. I don't know what it is, but I think I want to try that. Why not? 
Miss Lane, Miss Lane, I'd always bring up any of my crazy, audacious ideas, and she would always respond the same way. Why not? But then she'd follow up with, I'm going to check to see what you do with that idea. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Be about it. So walk me so, through a little bit more of that artistic journey you've had and in, in some checkpoints or like milestones that you track against and you know what's so, led you to where you are now yeah, yeah so. you know so here's a funny thing my my love of just artistic kind of intention or the way that you share or express yourself started in second grade with penmanship miss peterson i'll never forget we had that big chief paper right where you learn uppercase and lowercase right and then you learn cursive Absolutely. or script writing Right. And so she put in my head, people respect you more if you have good handwriting. And I went, oh, that's what I'm all about. I want people to respect me. Mm -hmm. So I was the kid that was working really hard on my penmanship. And I got teased because kids would say you write like like a girl. girl. Yep. I got the same thing. I have have really good handwriting. I like to think. Yeah, I have good hand. My wife always says, you sign this or you fill this out. Yours is better than mine. Yeah. But Miss Miss Peterson was the person who started me in understanding, right, how to express yourself, Mm -hmm. right, first through your handwriting. So I've always been really, you know, focused on that. And then I got a chisel point pen one time and calligraphy came in my head. So you had a Steve Jobs moment. Yeah, but I never, I never uh, actually, you know, I'm self-taught in calligraphy. Like I just like messing with letters and stuff. I've never taken a formal class, but because my penmanship is good, people would ask me to sign things for them Mm -hmm. or do things for them or, hey, could you write this person's name on that? So that started my way of expressing myself, but I've never really formally thought of myself as an artist, quote unquote, Mm. but I always thought of myself as creative and clever. But I did it when I played sports. So when I played sports, I was always thinking about how can I do something no one anticipates or expects? So I was bringing a little bit of hot sauce, some creative energy when I would play the games because I wasn't going to overwhelm you with my size. I could probably outrun you because I was pretty quick. Right. But I wanted to outthink you and come up with something unexpected. And my friend started actually anticipating that. No Kev going to bring something. He always got that one move. Mm. Right. And so that was my thing. So I actually started actually using this thing when I would coach up um, student athletes at the collegiate level. I would say to them, if your field or the court was a blank canvas, how will you paint a masterpiece on it? Mm. And they started envisioning the field, whatever it was they were playing as that. And I'd say, now let's look at the tape and let's see how you painted. And oh man, they would smile and say, oh, wait, 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 wait till you see this. This is a nice brush stroke, right? I would say that to them, right? Like, look at that. Yeah, and so I was doing that when I was young, when we were playing sports. I always saw it that way. Or if I was in the classroom, how could I use a word a little better? How could I express myself a little more? How could I find a way when I'm doing Shakespeare to add a little something to it? So I was always using you know, my curiosity, but also my creative energy in a different way. And I want to say that started playing, you know, sports, but then going into music, I still play the cello to this day. I have two cellos at home. Always been someone who appreciates Shakespeare and any of those kinds of plays. And so, you know, going to a Broadway play or doing those kinds of things, haven't been able to score my Hamilton tickets yet, 
I'm going to go to that. But, you know, got a chance to see, you know, other uh, plays and things, you know, on Broadway in New York. And so those things I really appreciate, you know, watching that and seeing that, but also thinking about the amount of time and energy it takes Mm. to be able to make it look effortless. And I really appreciate the discipline. How do you see that discipline in like a day-to-day with the work that you do now or even the work you were doing at Nike and in writing the book? You know, how are, how do you see that implemented from an artist standpoint? How you do the little things is how you do all things, Mm. right? That's about your discipline, right? It's about getting up with intention. What's getting you out of bed in the morning? I hope it's your art. I hope it's your craft. I hope it's your endeavor, your creative endeavors, right? And then your level of commitment to it every day. Are you a talker or a doer? And then at the end of the day, grade yourself like we grade athletes, right? Pass or fail. Did you have good effort today or not? Film don't lie. Effort don't lie. Product don't lie, right? And so that's really what it comes down to. So I I think that's, you know, a big part of what I always tell people is you're not going to out-discipline me. I'm going to put the time and energy in, especially when I know you might be chilling at the bar, hanging out, right? Yeah. Rolling up in the club, right? I'm going to put that extra five minutes in mm. that you didn't. Because if I'm not paying attention that I'm competing, you're going to get left behind. You're competing. You're competing to be viewed, seen, heard. You want people to witness your art, your creative endeavors. You're competing. So you have to bring an athletic mindset to that. How are you taking care of your energy? How are you showing up? How are you making sure you're being able to hang in there to do the work? All those things matter. So that's why I always talk about, you know, bringing a bit of that athletic mindset, that temperament, that competitive advantage will be yours. So when you're with the current role at SCAD, right, and the work that you're doing, your role, if you could give me their role name again, is it head of engagement? Chief engagement officer. What? What do you? Uh, how would you they describe call me it? The, they call me the engagement coach. Okay. And I, I I actually do like that. Right when you look at engagement from a high performance standpoint. Yeah. That it is a competitive advantage, a performance, a variable. Right. And so they have me coaching up faculty and staff, but also students on how they show up, how their level of engagement, their level of being present how they're owning a space, a room, how they're sharing their ideas, their insights, their knowledge, their Mm. expertise, right? And how are you well-practiced in that so that it's revealed? When you have to be on and you got to be in front of, when you're selling an idea, when you're presenting, you know, something from the course, a lesson, whatever it might be, um, you're sharing your final project. How do you show up? Mm. How do do you look like you're well-practiced and prepared? And you are the owner of and the expert and people are leaning in and listening and rooting for you. That's what I get a chance to work with all of the faculty and staff at SCAD from Savannah, Atlanta. And I've been to Hong Kong also doing that work. So we've been doing it for about a year and a half now. Mm. And it's been really amazing. Um, I've done well over 100 plus workshops, met thousands of people. Um, But, you know, the real work that I enjoy doing is meeting up with the students and the artist athletes that's what they call their student athletes at SCAD they're artist athletes and spending time with them just talking about you know little small nuggets right and just having some hashtag real talk right and just talking about what to expect and how to prepare themselves yeah I every time I listen to the story and obviously we talked about it 
offline or off the record, but you know, it we talked about two things. Number one, your relationship with Kobe and how that whole thing has come to a head and how you did an interview recently. You can talk about that a little bit, but also the similarities between uh, you, you mentioned something about stepping into the process of creation. And I find that to be like, there's a lot of my audience here as freelancers, art school grads, small studio owners, people looking to looking for that coach, you know, just a second opinion, someone who says, Hey, like, you know what to do. You know that you need to get into this zone. You have the talent, but half the time it's just having that personal trainer as an artist. And that's what I kind of like to look at this entire project as, as a personal trainer for those three groups of people. And, you know, what would you say? Cause you have a background with the Sixers, you have a background at Nike. You know, what would you say to that freelancer or to that small studio owner, that person who doesn't have an organization of 50, 70, 100 people to like motivate him or her to go do something every day? But it really comes from a place within. You know, I think of images of Kobe in the gym at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., <laughs> or I think of images of, you know, Kanye making five beats a day for three summers. Like these things are, are lasting images as self taught artists and people who, looking to have that that motivation, you know, what do you say to them? What would you advise from a very theoretical standpoint and then also from a, a tactical standpoint, like to-dos, to-do lists? So uh, you, you have to have this level of commitment every single day, regardless of what you're getting from it. So you can't go into it like, well, if I do this, then I'm going to get this. Mm. You can't You can't do that. Because it's never going to manifest the way you actually hope. It's probably going to do it in some unexpected way. So I always like to say to expect and respect the unexpected. Hmm. Expect and respect the unexpected. So prepare yourself for that. So stop saying, well, if I do this, I should get this. No, you shouldn't. You won't get what you're supposed to get. You just got to hang in there. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep advancing. You got to keep thinking that I'm growing and I'm getting better, but it can't be bad practice. It has to be good practice. Mm. And I think that some people can start having bad habits and thinking, yeah, I'm getting better, but yeah, but it's actually not good practice. You're not working and getting better. Mm. You're just doing the same bad things. So how are you always ensuring you're raising your game? How are you always ensuring I'm doing something to get better? I'm challenging myself, but as Kobe would say, and a lot of great athletes would say, is the fundamentals. I got to do the fundamentals really well. So whatever your craft might be, are you doing the fundamentals exceptionally well so mm. that they become literally something that is invisible? It's always going to be that way. Wow. You're always going to do those. If you do the fundamental things right, now bring it on. Bring me some unexpected. Bring me something I wasn't prepared for because now I can revel in that chaos. Now I can problem solve with confidence because I've done the little work. I've done the lonely work. I've put in the time. I got my fundamentals down. Mm. I have so much creative confidence as it relates to that. Bring it on. But it takes that 10,000, 28,000, whatever. It takes a long time. You got to put the work in. What is the, so what are the I fundamentals? Think that's one of Go the ahead. Key, I think one of the key things is, you know, that discipline. So what is the plan each and every day mm. that you are going to set out to do? What time of day are you putting in the work? 
How are you making sure that you are truly committing every day to get better? You got to have a plan. What is that thing? A dream without a plan is just a wish. Hmm. So you got to have a plan. Okay, if I want to be this level of a designer, I want to get better at 3D CAD, or I want to get better at, you know, using um, Photoshop, or I want to get better at, you know, using X camera, or I want to get better at, you know, um, setting up script writing. I want to, so what are you going to do to get better? What is the plan? I'm going to take this course. I'm going to go online. I'm going to follow some of the people I respect in the industry. I'm going to get immersed in the world of whatever it might be. All of my feeds on social will reflect that mm. so that I'm in it. So that when every day I get up, I'm about it. And I'm getting bombarded, right, by all of the stimuli, but it's all directing me towards this one goal that I'm going to raise my game in whatever my creative endeavor is. But people are so unfocused and they are just doing stuff that's not getting you anywhere. You just look like you're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it's not strategic. It's not with clarity. So get some clarity, build some strategy, advance that, then look back over a certain amount of time. Right. Mm. So give yourself, hey, it's they say people will start and stop a new habit 10 times before they finally surrender and say, I really want to do it. People will start and stop 10 times. So if you can start and stop only seven, you're ahead of people. Uh. If you can start and stop only three, oh, you really ahead. But I think that's what we don't think about. What's my plan? How will I execute it? How do you eat that elephant one bite at a time? Chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away. And don't get frustrated that, man, I think I, you don't deserve anything. Hmm. What you deserve is another day to work at it. And as my grandfather said, you see that light of day? Celebrate that. You got your gift. You got 86,400 seconds worth of opportunity today. That's what you were gifted today. What will you do with those 86,400 seconds, bro? That's your choice. How you going to get better? Don't talk to me if you ain't trying to get better. I got to I got to ask so the devil's advocate version of this. So, oh, Kev, I hear you, man, but you know, I just don't, you know, I see Kobe's got his his routine. I know he's up at 4 a.m. I see Tiger's, you know, got his routine and they're up at he's up at 6 a.m. running. You know, how do what's the artist for? What is the what are the artist fundamentals? Like what are the how do I build my routine, right? And that's energy first. Energy first. Mm. Artist routine starts with energy. Everybody's routine starts with energy. You have to take good care of yourself. How are you fueling yourself to compete for what it is you want, right? So how are you eating? How are you sleeping? Listen, it's not a matter of getting 10, 12 hours. Some people don't need that. Yeah. Sometimes the grind doesn't allow you that. But you got to have some rest. You got to have some fuel. You got to be making sure you're preparing yourself as best you can to fight the good fight. So energy first. Then how are you getting immersed in the world that you want to be involved with every single day? Mm. So once again, like I said, am I taking courses? Am I learning from others? Am I feeding myself through my social, right? That I'm just immersed in that world all the time. All my alerts, all my things are about that. I ain't trying to find out when the clubs got happy hour and all that. I ain't trying, that ain't supposed to be alert you're supposed to have. <laughs> you ain't supposed to have that alert. 
No, your oh, friends will always man. tell you that, but that ain't supposed to be set up on your phone or your device, right? It's That's Thursday late. night. I need to be out. No, it's <laughs> Thursday night. You need to be painting. You mm. need to be taking pictures. You need to be developing something, writing something. That's what you should be doing on Thursday night because mm. them folks that's at the club, they ain't about it like you. Yeah. So energy first, immerse in the world. How are you raising your game? How are you getting better? Right. What are those things that you're doing to get better? Point to that at the end of each day and say, look, I spent time reading this chapter from this book or I listened to this podcast or I worked on this little small little work with my um, my camera or whatever, my writing skills, whatever it might be. Yeah. And at the end of the day, grade yourself. Mm. Pass or fail. Did I do what I needed to to get better today or not? And repeat. And repeat and repeat and repeat and don't get flustered or frustrated when it hasn't tipped yet. It's going to, but maybe not the way you expect. Yeah. Maybe in a way that's so unexpected when you look back and you go, damn, I'm that kid that was abandoned at six years old, rescued by his grandparents who said, I'm going to be in the NBA one day. I had the audacity to say that when I was 10 years old, everybody laughed at me. Mm kept doing what I was doing, having no idea, really thinking, oh, I'm going to be in the league one day. I don't know I'm diminutive. I don't know I'm vertically challenged. I just think it's going to happen for me. But all these other things are in play. I'm a good student. I'm really clever with my sports. Hey, I'm going to go in the military. Oh, what? You can learn languages? I had no idea. Okay, I'll learn languages. The language thing works. I get my degree while I'm in the service in sports medicine because mm. I get hurt playing ball over in Germany. Now my mind goes, wait, so I could do something in sports? Maybe I'll get to the NBA that way. Five years later, after leaving the Air Force, I'm the head athletic trainer for the Philadelphia 76ers. And guess who's calling me for tickets? The ones that said I wasn't ever going to get there. No. Haters are my motivators. Thanks for the motivation. No tickets for you. Bam. <laughs> man right but Absolutely. how do you plan that you can't plan that <laughs> but you just got to stay on your grind and believe in it right and you have to be focused and have that clarity and when you get frustrated and flustered i said it to you before we actually started recording mm -hmm. doubt is success testing you doubt is success testing you when you start to let doubt creep in there, just know success could be right around the corner. That's why it's coming because you're going, is this really all worth it? Is this really going to pay off? Mm. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I need to. No, hang in there. Trust and believe hard work will never go unrewarded. It just might not be rewarded the way you want it. So if I love, you know, I love all that, right? Man? Does <laughs> like, this make sense, though? It, this all makes sense, right? So energy, immerse, immersion, right? And then, you know, repeat, mm. right? Discipline, right? So energy, immersion, discipline, repeat, right? And grade yourself at the end of each day because you're competing. Do I feel like I did enough today that if somebody else is trying to get that same thing, I can lay my head down on that pillow and say, I did enough today. If not, maybe you need to stay up five more minutes. Mm. Maybe you need to get up five more minutes earlier whatever because maybe somebody got ahead of you you have to you have to grade yourself at the end of each day man i i love that and it's the other the other end of the spectrum though i remember this interview i forget who was talking 
but they were talking about Michael Jackson and Thriller, and one of the criti- <laughs> one of the critiques they had of Mike was he was so focused on the work or even the next project or just doing you know a plus 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 type work that he never knew that thriller was thriller when it was going on if that makes sense and no absolutely that's a concern like that's a is that okay if my if i'm you know it's the whole chance to rapper song is like are you ready for your blessing but when your blessing comes and you don't know that that's even the thing that is your blessing and you're so focused on the weeds it's like am i getting better am i getting better the core question underneath all this is will you miss your blessing and will you miss the celebration because you're focused on how you're doing that day and that's the day and that's the double-edged sword right because for the artist for the true performer the perfectionist have you seen that documentary quincy have you seen that i absolutely i love that thing man right that's where you pick that up from. Okay, about cool. About Michael, too. I thought that was that. I was like, I yes, it's from that. It's from that. But Quincy has that, too. And it is a bit of the double edge. Yeah. Because we are so, you become so fixated on the craft, you can miss out on those. That's why you have to have the right people around you to make you pause and say, hey, do you see what's going on? Yeah. Do you see what you're accomplishing? So it may be a, a loved one, family member, but someone, you got to keep those people close that knew you when and just can point out to you like, yo, you see what you're doing? Mm. Just pause for a second. My wife is that for me, right? Because I'm that person. You were describing me. So I'm like, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah, better, how, better, 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 better. That's right? I am, man. <laughs> so there is, there is a blessing and a curse to that. There is. But Without that drive, you don't even get to where you're at. Mm. So it's more of this awareness of having someone around who can kind of grab you up by the collar if they need to. And like, yo, you need to look. Look at what you're building. Look at what you're creating. Just take a moment. I know it's not easy for you to do that. Mm. But just take a moment to take it in. And maybe that's all you need to just take stock of you are doing it. Maybe you think it's supposed to be something else, but just know you're impacting others with your creative energy, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your craft. And then keep it moving. But that, you have to have someone around. If you know that's how you are, just invite someone in your world and ask them to do that for you. Yeah. Right? And I, my wife is that for me. She, Oh, yeah, she... She would keep it real with me, like, hey, 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 pump your brakes, take a moment. Have you noticed what's going on? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but it should be, yeah, 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 no, it is. Mm. It is. And so now I've started to understand that a little more. So I've learned to, as my wife said, just find your own little ways to celebrate your moments of when you've done well. Mm. You don't have to use the word success, but when you've done well, Make sure you find just whatever little thing to celebrate it. So for me, it might be having a special piece of chocolate, right? When I know I killed on stage, right, at at one of my keynotes, right? And I know I did well and the response was amazing. Yeah. I might have, but I have to earn it. I don't just reward myself with it. When I get back home, I got a special box of chocolates from different parts of the world, right? And they're dark chocolate caramel sea salts. 
And if I feel like I've earned it, mm. I unlock that box, take out it from the from the little <laughs> file cabinet I have, Man. take one out, sit back and chill with it, right? And enjoy it and say, that was a job well done. From as soon as that's over, let's go. Yeah. Right. So I, I know I'll never be someone who will rest on my laurels. I know that. I know I'll never be that way. It's just not how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. But some people might be able to like, hey, I've arrived. Right. High five myself. I'm good. Right. And that's fine. That's you. But I'm not that way. I'm not built that way. And others are not built that way. It's OK. Yeah. But do make time for celebration. Do make time for those moments of, wow, you done good. You done good. Pay attention to that, right? And just have someone around you to remind you, especially if you know you're not wired that way. That's the way that I would manage that. Mm. Man, I got I got two more questions here. And I, I love that response because that's, you're like speaking the same, like you're speaking about the same things I experience on a daily basis. You know, I, I wake up and, you know, I have my own way of measuring progress for the day and talked about it, I think, on a podcast way early in this, in the season, but yeah, I, I struggle with that a lot where I don't come up for air and every now and then I'll come for air. And I'll be like, damn, what the, mm-hmm. all right, what the hell just happened? I just experienced all this cool stuff. And it, this leads into my next question where you experience so much in life and I'm, I'm 25 years old, man. And I've been blessed to experience a lot of cool shit thus far in life. And you look up and you're like, yeah, I was with, uh, I was in Chicago for my 25th birthday and I was walking along the shoreline and we were talking. And it was like, I was getting emotional about my 25th birthday. I was like, what, the hell? what is wrong with me? I'm supposed to be celebrating. I'm supposed to be popping bottles. <laughs> What's going on? And we were talking at sunset and it's just like, I finally figured it out that damn, you experience so much and you finally come up for air on like a ceremonial birthday or a child being born or whatever. And you're like, damn, what was that? What is that all for? And the question in this is like, what is it? What is an experience that you might have had a long, long time ago or something that you never thought would be worth it or something you put a whole lot of effort into? And let's let's call it high school basketball or let's say I'm a random person. It's like I played basketball or I was in the band when I was little. I learned piano when I was eight years old. And then when you get to be 25, 30, 35, 40, you're like, damn it. If I didn't waste those five years learning piano, I could have been I could have been Kobe already. I could have been Jordan already. Like I could I should have been practicing basketball. then. I, you know, and you start to regret all those experiences to an extent. How do you make sense of all the variety of experiences you had in life and still you know, take it in stride as damn, that's made me all that I am. And without that, even though I, yeah, I could have been Kanye West had I not been doing that instead if I was making beats at that time um but instead I did that and now here I am today is that is that making sense I know it's a bit of a broad question but how do you make sense of all the experiences in life yeah and well it's always going to be choices and consequences right and I think that's a big part of what we have to think about is you know our choices will always have some consequences and regardless if they were good or bad you made those choices. And so they put, they set in motion your journey, right? And they set in motion a series of fortunate or unfortunate you know, incidences, right? I mean, it's what happens. So, yeah. uh, so the more that we start to reflect back, 
which is what happens many times on birthdays, right? Especially milestone ones, right? You where you reflect back, like, whoa, what a, what have I been doing? And am I where I'm supposed to be? And you know, what did my six year old self say I was going to be at this point? Because yeah. twenty five was so far then, right? You know, right? But I think I think ultimately there are things that can mark moments on your continuum, like really kind of these what they want to say, seminal moments, watershed moments, these pivotal moments that you don't might not even know they were pivotal. Mm. So let's say I can think back to my then girlfriend has my son. I'm only 20 years old. I'm a young father. I'm in college and I'm playing soccer playing ball my plan is to play soccer in germany right because mm -hmm. i'm playing really well my goal is i want to play in germany because i've been watching this tv show called soccer made in germany like all <laughs> every sunday afternoon we watch it as a team right so i'm all lit up like i'm gonna play in germany one day oh, right man. so we're all saying this in college and then my girlfriend has a baby i return my junior year i get in trouble at school i'm at this point Right. Because we were cutting up as a team. Right. And people made bad decisions. So now the athletic director is saying, if you all don't own up to what you did. We're going to suspend the entire season mm. and we're all sitting in the room. Now, you talk about this one decision that could actually put in motion things. Yeah. I'm sitting in the room looking at my teammates. Now, I know we all can raise our hands and it'll be what are you going to do? Get rid of everybody. Right. So I decide, quote unquote, because I hear my grandfather do the honorable thing. I raise my hand. No one else raised their hand. So it's my junior year. I'm 20 years old. I have a son. The athletic director points at me, basically says, I knew you were involved, Carol. <laughs> so, right? oh I had a little God. bit of a reputation. Right. <laughs> and yet I was in AP classes in college, but I was also a little bit of a, you know, that that contrarian I know the thing. and he yeah. said and we're going to try to expel you so now i'm looking at this man and all this stuff is running in my head and in this moment and i still to this day cannot tell you how i came up with this i said you're not going to expel me i'm going to withdraw oh <laughs> what that was my response i don't know where it came from so I get up, I go to the registrar, I withdraw before they can start any proceedings against me, right? Yeah. Get on the bus, go back home. I'm out of school. I'm working at Kitty City in my neighborhood, right? Having little side hustles, buying, you know, getting stuff for people and they're paying me on the side in Kitty City. The manager is a cokehead. It's crazy. I'm like, is this my future? Mm. And I literally laid in bed on a Sunday night and I went, I know this is not what I'm going to do. And then I went, I'm joining the Air Force. I'm getting out of here. And on a Monday morning, I said nothing to anyone, got on the train, went down to the recruiting station, 69th Street in Philly, walked right past every branch and went to the Air Force because my uncle was in the Air Force. And that's the only branch I knew. Mm. And I basically said, give me whatever you got. We'll get me out of here the fastest. <laughs> the Air Force recruiter said, are you in trouble? I said, nope, I just need to go. Took the test. I scored really high on it. Yeah. And they're like, well, you could do this, this, or this. I said, whatever. 
I just need to go. And I was gone, dude. I was out. First plane ride ever in my life was to Air Force basic training in San Antonio, Texas. Jesus, man. So, fast forward. I go to language school while I'm in the military. I learned Serbian, Croatian, and Czech. Right? So I become a language translator, worked at NSA, have a top secret clearance, but I wouldn't have got my clearance. Guess what? They went back to the school as part of my security clearance check. And they looked, and what did it say on my record? I withdrew. Mm. So they came up to me and they said, we see that you withdrew from your university, but you still have an outstanding $200. I said, I'll pay that right now. And that's all it had. Now, you want to talk about that? There is a story, right, that you don't understand or these kind of decisions or these moments that can be the zig versus zag. Yeah. That was one that set in motion everything else that happened for me. That one moment at 20 years old, making a decision that I was not going to be like everybody else in my neighborhood. I'm going to take care of my son. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to go get a job, job. I'm getting out of here. But you go back to if I don't withdraw and I let them expel me, all that stuff can't happen. Man. <laughs> so, so choices and consequences, zig versus zag. Right. Things that you never thought were really that pivotal. Now, when I look back, I go, oh, if I hadn't done that little thing right there, Mm. all these other things couldn't have happened. Damn. So how do you approach each decision without being scared of shit? Because you can't. You can't. You can't. You just have to believe that you just have to believe that, you know, you have to own up. Right? Yeah. You have to own whatever those choices and consequences. Those are your choices and whatever those outcomes, you got to own that. Mm. You got to own good, bad, or indifferent. You own that, right? I made that decision. Okay, let me deal with it. What am I going to do about it, right? And, and am I going to see an obstacle or do I see an opportunity? Man, I love it, man. I only have one question. I ask every guest this and I'm interested to hear your responses. You know, what would you say to... 17 year old version of yourself i would always you know i I think i would go back to that notion of obstacle versus opportunity and it will always be your choice right because you're going to face some shit you're going to face some difficulties but it'll be a choice every time is that an obstacle or is that an opportunity are you an optimist or are you a pessimist Hmm. right and that would be my choice every time, right? Is that thing they say, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Mm. And I just choose to see the opportunity in every difficulty, every adversity, everything I'm facing. I want to see that there's a possibility. If I can peek around the corner, if I can just get around that or look over top of that or peek underneath that, maybe I can find another way. But I don't want to get myself into something so murky and so, you know, devastating that there's no way out of it, right? There's some things you make really bad decisions Mm. and you just got to own that. But if it's, you know, small little things or whatever, yeah, man, you got to find a way. But you got to own every one of those choices and every one of those consequences. Those are yours because you had a moment where you could have said yay or nay. You had that choice. Mm. It's right there in front of you. So that's what I would say to me then, right? 
You're going to face a lot of stuff, dude. So you have an attitude of an optimist or a pessimist. Do you see an obstacle or do you see an opportunity? Game on. I love it, man. That's that's a perfect place to wrap the show. If, there, if there's anything else you had in terms of how can people keep up with you, and I mean, you've got a book out, you've got speaking engagements coming up. I mean, there's plenty of places to, to touch base with you in person or virtually. But I want to give you the floor to offer that to anyone. Yeah, Google me. No, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can uh, Casey Catalyst with a K, Casey K A. T-A-L-Y-S-T. That's all my social media handles. You can find me on everything that way. And, you know, I'm always just about advancing, you know, the human condition with a ball, books, or betterment. So you can find me out there doing that and sharing my voice and my energy that way. So it's all good. So, and I'm always, I'm team follow back, so I'll follow you back. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about advancing others. So if you need an encourager, you know, you look me up, Google me. Yeah, you can find me that way. Yes. Hey, thanks so much, people, for listening. If you made it this far, that means you are a perfect candidate for joining our community and joining other people who are having these talks on a consistent basis. The easiest way to get started is really to DM me at educated underscore guests. That's how we can connect. That's how we can talk. And I'll be in the comment sections of plenty of stuff that I dig. And you, if you see the question mark, you know it's me. So keep tuning in. Again, you can follow us at educated underscore guests. Also website, educatedguests.space. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.